Welcome to the Super Sentai Buddies. This is episode five of the increasingly misnamed uh, side project, You Only Live Man Twice, uh, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Live Man. I didn't update the script, so I don't remember the other words in the Live Man title. Uh, every week that we do this, we watch an episode of that show, and we share our thoughts with you. Uh, my name is Matt J. With me, as always on these bits, is my co-host and buddy, Mark. Mark, how you doing today? Hey, I am doing good. It's is it Chojin Sentai Live Man? It man, that sounds like it might be right. <laughs> we were going to start this recording about an hour earlier. A big part of why we missed our target is because I was playing a video game with my daughter and we couldn't get to a good save point. Ah, uh, what what were you playing? It's a game called Human Fall Flat. Oh, I've heard of Human Fall Flat. That is a game that I almost picked up on my Xbox at some point. It is. It's really weird. I don't know how it would play one player. It. I mean, it's definitely accomplishable, but two player is is very engaged. So it's it's a game built on like a ragdoll physics engine, where you have really kind of loose control of a ragdoll character. You have to be. Very careful about your movements because they're not remotely sharp or clean. And it's just a, a progressive puzzle game. You learn kind of some basic skills. You solve a puzzle to get out of a room. You get into a more complex room. You solve the, you know, that kind of yeah. game. It's, it's really good. It's very clever. It's very weird playing with my kid. And I'll tell you why. It's really fun playing video games with your kid. It's one of the coolest mm-hmm. things about being a dad. I used to play video games with my dad. It was great. But this particular game, especially because the controls are not finesse controls at all, her tiny, clumsy child hands really get in the way. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, she's smart. She's a very smart kid and she's good at a lot of video games. She's just she's not good at this one. Her brain knows what she's supposed to do, but she can't do it. And it's the sort of thing where if you fail midway through the puzzle, you have to start the puzzle over So it's this deep exercise in patience for me, just watching my child fail at a thing over and over and resisting saying, just give me your controller and let me get you through this part, (laughs) which I have done once or twice. She's just got to learn how to hit that like right shoulder button and go into the bubble and let you take care of the rest. (laughs) So we watch this program. This is one of the, the Sentai programs that is not available for purchase right it's not an american dvd yet right yeah so shout factory has been they started with Zhu ranger and they've been moving moving forward through time up to i think they're up to like uh um whatever whatever light speed rescue is okay. uh gogo five i think they're up to gogo five and then they did jump back a year and they Ooh. did Jetman. so oh, you can buy right. the Oh, I don't know if we ever mentioned this on the show. You can buy a DVD of Jetman now. You should do it. Jetman rules. Like, if you listened to our show, but you didn't watch Jetman because you couldn't find it online and the DVDs were not yet available, um, go watch Jetman. Jetman is the best. It's it's really incredible. But, uh, but Live Man was from a few years before Jetman. It, okay. I don't think it was right before, but it was... 
it was like close enough to it that it has some of the same actors, uh, but it is not on DVD. And right. since that that stuff is now available sort of legitimately in the states, finding streaming stuff online for the stuff that is not on DVD has become. Like, man, like doing this today <laughs> reminded me of the bad old days of like right near the end of Jetman when like all the doors were closing on yeah. me being able to continue to watch the show and having to go to increasingly sketchy websites. Like See, it was dangerous. That's where I'm going with this because I had a little bit of trouble finding myself a stream and ended up, I mean, it, it all worked out. I, I was able to watch the episode. But it was on one of those sites, you know the type, that pop up about 700 mm-hmm. differing, challenging advertisements that are very hard to click away from. Yeah. And one of them, just in the corner of my screen the whole time, just a big picture of a cartoon lady in a bikini bottom. I mean, mm-hmm. I say lady. It was just a cartoon butt. That's all that it was. Sure. And with the text... Enter the sex cave. <laughs> these are the, these are the things that we go through for you, the listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, so we watched episode five of it's Choju Sentai Jetman. Uh, it is called the Joyriding Engine Monster. But Mark, before we get into that, uh, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Now, normally, um, when it's Dave and I doing the show, we do our standard five star segments. Sure. And when you and Brian are hosting these Super Sentai Buddies uh, side project of the Spy Who Loved or the Spider Man Who Loved Me, you do a top five version of the top five stars, and that is what we're going to be doing today. So we are doing. Uh, well, why don't you explain to me sort of what the what the five star sort of protocol is in this situation? Sure. So this actually was born out of the realization that Spider Man is rarely a timely recording for us. By that, I mean we don't usually Mm -hmm. record week of like you guys do. So if we do a traditional five stars, it could be months before that sucker drops, and a lot of those things are out of date. We just effectively, uh, to peek behind the curtain, listener, every time we use a Spider-Man file, Brian and I record a new Spider-Man file, just so we always have one kind of in the hopper. Right, and generally speaking, Dave and I try to put out an episode every week, but, you know, like, schedules being what they are, especially this last year with, uh, like, Dave with the twins, and yeah, then just, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, like, there's general twin stuff, and then this week was also um, the show week for Dave's, uh, the play that Dave was working on, right. and also our parents were in town this weekend, and also it was Dave's birthday, so, like, <laughs> there was just, just zero a time to do it. On. But, yeah, to combat that kind of delay in relevance we started doing a top five five stars so we just pick a category that we liked and talk through our five things it's a segment that is probably on i don't know 700 podcasts sure but this one is different because it's us yeah so what we are doing this week is our top five podcast recommendations that you might not have heard of yeah because like honestly if like, I could pull up my podcast app here, and I could tell you, A, you should listen to, like, you know, you should listen to Mark's podcast, and you should listen to, like, all of the podcasts that our friends do. But I feel like we already talk about those, so you don't need to hear us tell you about those. 
And you also don't need to hear me tell you that My Brother, My Brother and Me is a funny show because everyone <laughs> right. who listens to podcasts already knows that, right? Like, if you're yeah. going to listen to Serial, you've already listened to Serial. Mark Maron and Dax Shepard but... don't need any help. Exactly. Uh, so these are our sort of, like, second or thir- third tier podcasts. Not Not second or third tier in how much we love them, but in how well they are sort of generally known or talked about. Yeah, I, th- I think that makes that's, sense. There, yeah. Okay, so Mark, why don't you hit us with our first star of the week? Okay, first star of the week for me is probably the most recognizable on my list, or the one that might already be on your radar. It's a podcast called The Mental Illness Happy Hour. Okay, and now, this is, is one I it's one I've heard of but never listened to. It's hosted by Paul Gilmartin who is a stand-up comedian but is more remembered i think for the uh dinner and a movie series that ran for 800 years okay i do remember those yeah this listener back in the day cable channels used to present like the movie of the week i i i i guess just because people didn't have access to all of the movies all of the time yeah, and they would do little presentation things around the movies, which honestly, yeah. like, I, I don't think it exists on cable anymore because that's podcasts, right? Like, <laughs> right. That, like, that's basically what Spectre is. Like, it's dinner in a movie. We just don't tell you what to make while you're watching Van Helsing. So Paul Gilmartin hosted one of these, and he kind of curated the collection. He was very funny. He may have been on TBS. I, I can't remember. At any rate, he does a podcast, and he has been doing it for many years now. That is, in some ways, like every entertainer podcast out there in that he sometimes interviews famous people. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of podcasts are. But very specifically, he's a dude who struggled for a long time and still does with depression and anxiety issues. And he just talks very openly about it. And he'll often bring on other entertainers who have had issues in that area or uh, doctors or uh, professionals to talk about it. Oh, that's very cool. It is. It's really so it's I mean, it's just a good interview podcast, but kind of very specifically targeted at uh, a field, I guess, that kind of went under discussed for a long time. And we're with the Internet. We're in a bit of a renaissance. I think mental illness awareness is probably higher than it has ever been, but it's still a very good podcast. Matt, what is your number one podcast star? Uh, star number one for me is uh, this is a show that uh, used to be extremely popular, but has not had new episodes regularly since like January of 2013. <laughs> and since that was like over five years ago, I yeah. bet there are listeners of ours who started listening to podcasts within the last five years and just did not know that this was a thing. But, uh, you know, iTunes being what it is, it's all still there. So... Um, if you have never listened to the podcast called You Look Nice Today, You Look Nice Today rules. Uh, it is uh, three dudes, uh, Merlin Mann, Scott Simpson, and, oh gosh, what's the third guy's name? Adam something? I don't know. I, I mainly started listening to it because <laughs> I listened to other Merlin Mann podcasts, of yes. which there are many, which I could have done all five just like shows of his, but I didn't. Because uh, that would have gotten boring for you, the listener. Um, <laughs> but this is a show that ran from like 2008 to 2012. And it is those three guys 
uh, just like talking in a funny way. And I know, I know what you're saying to yourself. You're saying, Matt, the last thing in my life that I need right now is another podcast with three white guys talking in a funny way. But guys, they, they talked in a very funny way is the thing about it. And also yeah. they started doing it in like 2008. Like, like despite the fact that that is what most podcasts are now, you, like you, if you go back and listen to it from the beginning, it's a very interesting sort of like time capsule of how podcasts became what they are. And also like it's very, very funny. There are guest people on it who you would recognize, like John Hodgman shows up occasionally. Yeah, this uh, Jonathan is, Colton is on it a bit. This is the podcast through which I found the Maximum Fun Network. Oh, really? It, it may have been because of a John Hodgman appearance. I can't remember. You know, it may have been. Uh, so You Look Nice Today was never part of Maximum Fun. No. But they but they did do some crossover episodes with Jordan Jesse Go in a series that they referred to as The Monsters of Podcasting. Yeah. Um, and The Monsters of Podcasting was just like Jordan and Jesse and then the three guys from You Look Nice Today. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, You Look Nice Today. It's old, but it rules. Um, check it out. Mark, what is your second star of the week? Okay, my second star of the week is a podcast called The Ethos. Okay. It's hosted by two dudes named Marty and Larry, and The Ethos is a baseball podcast. I know I am kind of the token sports guy for our friend group, mm-hmm. uh, but specifically, it is a baseball podcast that looks at fun baseball lore. So okay. their most recent episode, for instance, the one that just dropped... Uh, late last week was a look at Babe Ruth's career after baseball. Oh, interesting. It's not a particularly happy career. No, <laughs> no. I, I, as I think I mentioned on the podcast some months ago, I did watch all 18 hours of the Ken Burns baseball documentary. So I, I got the gist of it, but it's not great. And they've done episodes on like where team nicknames have come from. Uh, they did an episode on, I think, the Brawl of 84, basically just any of those weird mm -hmm. old baseball legends. They've got an episode on those. That sounds very interesting because as much as, like, I have grown to appreciate baseball in the last couple of years, but really what I like about baseball is all of the sort of surrounding stuff. I would much rather watch a baseball documentary than watch a baseball game. So how (laughs) how do you just... Just for the listeners and my benefit, how do you spell that? E-E-P-H-U-S. It takes its name from a pitch called the Ephus pitch that is a the junkest of junk pitches in baseball. So Ephus is an intentionally, ridiculously slow lob pitch kind of designed to trick the batter into swinging way before the ball gets there. Okay. Uh, and and one of their episodes is about the Ephus pitch, unsurprisingly. So that's worth, that's worth. And they do, like, they'll talk regular baseball here and there, too. Uh, at, like, just kind of within the context of the show. But most of the episodes are dedicated to weird, fun baseball history. Okay, cool. What is what is your podcast number two, Matt? Uh, speaking of uh, the history of fun things, my podcast number two is from the Polygon dot uh, com family of products, and it is called the History of Fun. <laughs> uh, and the History of Fun is uh, I'm going to have another show like this on my list in a few minutes, um, but it is 
a show where it's like this is three people talking. Um, they're all polygon people. Um, and what they do is it is a show about the history of fun things. So Polygon is primarily like a video game website, but they talk right. about all sorts of stuff. So every episode is just sort of like a walkthrough of the history of a particular thing. So let me just, just to give Ooh, okay. you a sort of feel for this, let me give you a list of some of the things they give you the history of. The first couple of episodes are... Uh, the board game Monopoly, uh, Chuck E. Cheese, uh, <laughs> like Dodgeball, just like in general, Mario Kart specifically, okay. the Street Fighter movie, Beanie Babies. These are all uh, things that I like. Uh, GoldenEye 007 for the N64. Yep. Uh, like they have an episode on the history of the N-Gage, the history of Happy Meals, the history <laughs> of like Tamagotchis, a lot of this stuff gets like surprisingly like gruesome because Ooh. they're like the history of trampolines and the history of water parks oh, and stuff oh, like yeah. that in there. Uh, and there is one episode about uh, the history of the time that the Undertaker threw mankind off the Hell in a Cell. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's really, really fun. Like the hosts are very engaging and also just like... There are a lot of things that I know about sort of on the periphery, but if I was not part, like, either they talk about something that I was not part of, and it's good to, like, get a little more, like, insight on. Yeah. Uh, or they talk about something that I was a part of, and I was like, oh, yeah, I loved <laughs> that thing. This, uh, this anyway, podcast anyway. sounds really up my alley. Yeah, I mean, hey, if you want to spend an hour listening to the history of the Virtual Boy, um, 100%, <laughs> give it a listen. They used to be weekly. They're now in like sort of a like a seasonal, they'll do like a chunk of episodes thing. Um, I, I but, find that I actually really like the seasonal podcast model. Yeah, it's a lot easier to not fall behind on stuff and to not feel bad about it. Exactly, and it gives you a little more uh, bandwidth to kind of check into other things, and you don't get that podcast fatigue with some shows mm -hmm. there are some shows for me that are kind of eternal and evergreen and there are other shows like mark maron's a great example of this where i have to kind of give it a rest for a while <laughs> right and you, you need to give yourself some time to remember why you liked it right and so the seasonal thing actually works pretty well i think podcast wise yeah so mark what is your third star of the week well, this is a perfect transition because my third star of the week is a seasonal podcast. Okay. It's a it's a podcast called the Horn Section Podcast. All right. Wait, let me guess. Based on the name of that podcast and me knowing you, is it a ska podcast? <laughs> that is an extraordinarily good cast, but it is it's not actually somehow. Really? Yeah. Do you listen it, to any ska podcasts? I don't. There is one. I won't is it called name the Scottcast? Because I feel like it should be. <laughs> I, I don't know if that exists. I'd be disappointed if it didn't. I won't name check the one I know because I don't think it's very good. And I don't want to uh, I don't want to rain on another podcast, especially gotcha. in this segment. <laughs> but this so is, what what is this one, though? It's a podcast hosted by a British comedian named Alex Horn who is not only a comedian, but also the frontman and conductor of a multi-purpose, like, jazz energy band called The Horn Section. 
Oh, interesting. So collectively, they are known as Alex Horn in the Horn section. And specifically, if you've ever heard of the British panel show Taskmaster, which is very popular right now. I know we're in America, so most people probably haven't heard of it. It's very uh, popular. No, sorry, the, the only Taskmaster I know is the one who has a white skull face and fights the <laughs> Avengers. I was watching Taskmaster while fighting Taskmaster in the Spider-Man video game recently, and that felt very good. Uh, is Taskmaster in that video game? He is. Just, just a little bit. He's just got a, a little bit of an appearance, but he's great. Anyway, Taskmaster Alex Horn rules. is the guy who designed that Taskmaster program, but primarily he leads this weird comedy band. And I say comedy band, and that puts you in mind, I think, of acts like Da Vinci's Notebook here in America. I it's, mean, if, if you knew about that, I'm sure it would. That is Paul and Storm. That was the band Paul and Storm belonged to before they were Paul and Storm. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, so, so that kind of, like, goofy gag songs. That's not really what the horn section is. Their humor is largely built on like musical construction. Okay. So they're they're just a group of five or so extremely talented musicians who can all play, I swear, like a dozen instruments. And they just they'll change on a dime. So they'll be partway through a song, changing tempos, changing styles, hitting modulations, while Alex Horn is kind of doing comedy bits around and within the shape of the song. And it's very hard to explain without listening to. But it's really wild. So the show, like, at, like the podcast is mostly music? It is probably 30% music. Maybe more than that. It is Okay. So Alex Horn is also a stand-up comedian, and he invites, each episode he invites a guest, which is often another stand-up comedian, and then basically they play comedy games supported by the music. Okay. Sometimes just the music underneath the game that they're playing but often it will be a thing where the guest will be invited to participate in the music somehow it's it's very hard to explain without listening to it's very british it's kind of weird and experimental but it's extremely fun and they released them in little like they did 16 episodes of the first season they recently just started up the second season so there'll be 16 more it's strange. If you're not into music or if you find British comedy to be too kind of dry and unapproachable, this is not the podcast for you. But if you are very interested in hearing six buttoned-down British guys in suits making up a sea shanty on the fly, this is the podcast for you. I, I think I could be talked into that. <laughs> uh, what is, is that number three? What's your number three, Matt? Uh, my number three um, on the topic of music podcasts is I only listen to the Mountain Goats. And I I don't <laughs> think I've talked about this on the show before. I've definitely talked about my love of the Mountain Goats before. Uh, but there is a podcast. It is called, and this is another seasonal bit. It's called I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats. And here's how it works. It is uh, the head writer of uh, Welcome to Night Vale, whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, and he sat down with John Darnielle, who is who is the Mountain Goats, essentially. There are other guys who have been in the band yeah, for a long yeah. time, but, like, practically speaking, like, John Darnielle is the Mountain Goats. Um, and so it is an interview show between these two guys, and they were going track by track through the Mountain Goats album All Hell West Texas. And it is 
just it's just a conversation sort of like about life and about music and about the creative process and it like I am not a musician uh, like I played trumpet in high school but right. like you know I am not a musician but listening to these two guys talk about like the act of creation and how this particular album came together and how particular songs came together and all of that stuff is really really fascinating and then also at the end of each episode of the first season of this show they have a uh, a cover that was commissioned for the purposes of this podcast of the song that they were talking about. Oh wow! Yeah, and like, and sometimes they'll bring on the person who did the cover to like talk about how they approached it and like what that particular song said to them and why they did it the way they did it, and then they cl- like they'll close out the episode with that cover. It's it's really really good. They're gonna do another season. I, they said they're doing it slightly differently. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I assume that the next season that comes out will be as good as the first one. So if you like any of those things, or <laughs> if you, like me, only listen to the Mountain Goats, you should listen to the podcast. I only listen to the Mountain Goats. <laughs> Mark, what is your fourth podcast? This will be a quick one because I feel like it's come up on this program before, or if it hasn't, things adjacent to it have come up. But a few months ago now, Conrad Thompson, who does, I don't know, 50% of the wrestling podcast, started mm-hmm. doing a program called 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, where yes. they're just focusing on, like, the Monday Night Wars era of wrestling. Yeah, but, well, I mean, specifically, they're focusing on the Monday Night Wars era of WCW, because yeah. that was the time that... Uh, Eric Bischoff was in charge of WCW. Right. And the short, like, two-year window where WCW was consistently beating WWF in ratings, in in box office, that sort of thing. And this also just happens to be, when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, the window of time where I was most into wrestling as a kid. Now, I've sort of, I've enjoyed getting into it again as a grown-up in a different way. But yeah, but like this that partic- is the era that, of wrestling I watched. Right, that particular era of when you are a kid watching wrestling that it hits you in a way that is very different from being an adult watching wrestling. <laughs> right. So sometimes they'll do episodes on individual events, like they've done, you know, Fall Brawl 1998. Sometimes they'll do episodes on individual wrestlers. So you'll get a full episode on like Rowdy Roddy or Big Van Vader. They're really fun. It took me a while to come round because Eric Bischoff is a prickly dude. Oh, yeah. And he never stops promoting himself. Like every second he's on the microphone, no matter where and in what context, he is always putting himself over. So (laughs) you really do have to like calibrate yourself to that. But once you get used to him, there's so much just fun stuff to learn. Anyway, we are running long. So what is your number four? Uh, my number four, uh, I will make this one short. Uh, it is an oldie but a goodie, and it has just come back, and that's why I'm mentioning it. Uh, the Thrilling Adventure Hour is back. That's uh, exciting. The thrilling, the thrilling Adventure Hour rules. Uh, it used to be done for like 10 years as a live stage show in the style of old-time radio that was released in podcast form. It was like one of my favorite shows of all time. 
They stopped doing it a few years ago when all of the various creative people sort of like got too busy with paying games to continue doing (laughs) this like fun, like passion project. But they are bringing it back in a new format where uh, it's not a live show anymore and it's monthly instead of, I guess it was always monthly. Anyway, it's back. It's slightly different. They've re-recorded some of the songs. Uh, so you'll have to sort of prepare yourself for that because it's not Mark <laughs> Evan Jackson singing about how he is uh, um, Sparks Nevada Marshall on Mars. It is now John Roderick talking about how Sparks Nevada is the Marshall on Mars. Right, right. Um, so, you know, just prepare your heart for that. But like, boy, oh boy, like... Like, there's a lot of bad 2018, but a good part of 2018 <laughs> is that Thrilling Adventure Hour is back, uh, and so you should go listen to it. Mark, what is your fifth star of the week? Ah, we are handling these transitions really well, because speaking of scripted comedy programming, my fifth and final star of the week is an episodic short episode. So they're not 30, 30 minutes or an hour. They range from, I don't know, probably five to 15 minutes comedy podcast called roommate from hell that is about uh someone actually rooming with the devil which is you know it's it sounds off the top like a pretty straightforward premise but they mine a lot of comedy out of it it's really really fun it's a very quick listen it's still pretty new so if you hurry you can get up to date on it quickly (laughs) yeah and And it's uh part one of the members of the creative team is our old buddy nick douglas yeah, uh, who you may remember from... Has he only ever been on one episode of this show? He's been on at least one, yeah. I don't know if he's been on more. Okay. He has also he... guested on Spectre, I think. Yes, he was on Spectre. He was... If you are a long, long-time listener of this show, he was a guest of ours uh, on the Die Ranger episode where Kazu got cloned by an evil photocopier lady. Uh, and then if you yeah. are a long, long-time, like person i know uh we went to college together so you know he was that's, on the that's, podcast, that's slightly longer ago the he was on the podcast the week letter nimoy died oh yeah <laughs> oh that's weird <laughs> which i only know because of this five stars document uh yeah i have also listened to this show it's very good there's one episode where the entire thing is done in limerick form yeah that was um, trippy which is like it was very, very clever, and plus, the format of their show means that the episode was short enough that they were able to, like, get in, do a very good job, and get out before yeah. you hated limericks for the rest of your life. <laughs> very well balanced, Nick. So what is the fifth and final star for you, Matt? Uh, fifth and final star for me, I, I don't have a great transition for this one. I feel like I, it, 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 it all finally <laughs> is coming crashing down. I can link it back to the, my previous one. Okay. Uh, because John Roderick redid the music for Thrilling Adventure Hour, and he is one half of the hosting team of the Omnibus Project. Or I think it might just be called Omnibus, the podcast. Anyway, the idea behind the Omnibus Project is this. It is John Roderick, who um, is sort of known as a... I mean, he was the front man in the Long Winters. He was in Harvey Danger for a while. He's got uh, he a all, great voice. Dude just yeah. has a great voice. And he is sort of like a general internet like podcaster slash raconteur. Yeah. Um, it is him and Ken Jennings of winning a bunch of Jeopardy fame. <laughs> who like like these two guys are friends. Like they know each other because they're both like Seattle like men about town. 
Um, and they have this show called The Omnibus Project that is similar sort of in format to the one I was talking about earlier, The History of Fun. But the okay. things that they talk about in The Omnibus Project are just like... The, the concept behind the show is that The Omnibus Project is a time capsule that is being recorded for later generations to recover after in like an apocalyptic calamity has destroyed our civilization. So like all of the like regular history stuff that everyone else will already have recorded elsewhere has right. already been recorded elsewhere. And so the omnibus exists as a collection of sort of esoterica that would otherwise be lost because no one would have bothered to talk about it. <laughs> That's a fun concept. Yeah, and so like the stuff that they talk about, like they sort of bounce back and forth like Tuesday episodes are John Roderick episodes and Thursday episodes are Ken Jennings episodes or the other way around. So like, you know, they'll talk about like like Afghan war rugs or the history of <laughs> the boysenberry or Gordon Lish or a book called the Preppy Handbook or Backyard Blast Furnaces or <laughs> Millie Vanilli or uh, uh, The Noid. You know, just like a bunch of hat etiquette history. You know, just a bunch of weird stuff. But the two guys who do it, A, like, you know, it's, it's a, it is a good conversation. And B, both of them know so much weird little stuff right. that it is exactly the sort of podcast I can sort of like lose myself in for a very long time. <laughs> just listening to them go down like weird conversational rabbit holes, which for you might be very frustrating. But for me is extremely good. Uh, and that's it. That is our uh, sort of extended five-star segment. Mark, why don't we take a quick break um, and then come back to watch episode five of Live Man called The Joyriding Engine Monster. All right, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode five of Choju Sentai Live Man, The Joyriding Engine Monster. Mark, boy... This every time I get back into watching Live Man, there's a bit of a whiplash because yeah. like, I'm so used to watching a different show and I have to completely recalibrate. It, yeah, I had exactly the same experience. And uh, friend of the show, Oliver, who has periodically helped behind the scenes in terms of providing some of the music and drops that we use between segments at the end of the show had recently emailed me some stuff preparing for next season and in it uh -huh. he mentioned oh i'm looking forward to next season also looking forward to hearing you guys get back to live man because it just keeps getting weirder sure does as it turns out and i, I, I thought of oliver when we were watching this episode <laughs> Uh, okay, so my first notes is where on earth were we? So I think we've sort of covered that. We, we start this episode with, um, okay, let's do a little bit of level setting here. The Red Ranger is named y Yusuke, right? Yeah. Uh, the uh, Yellow Ranger is named Joe, and the Blue Ranger, her name is what again? Megumi. Megumi? Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, Yusuke and Joe are sort of like chilling out, leaning on their motorcycles, complaining about how hungry they are. Yep. Um, now, uh, in a moment, uh, the Blue Ranger, who whose name I've forgotten again, uh, just moments later. <laughs> Meg. Megumi. Megumi. Um, 
rolls up with just like basically a McDonald's order of like soft drinks and hamburgers. So I don't know why they were complaining when they all clearly could have just gone into the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they're they're hanging out. They're in, they're enjoying their uh, their double cheeseburgers. And a small child wanders up and says, "Oh, hello. Are you Yusuke?" Um, like in in, a, in the way in which he says it indicates a degree of portent, right? It is not yes. just like I saw you on the news. It is like, "Hello, are you Yusuke?" He d- in, this in a, little boy definitely knows the answer to the question he's asking. Right. In a different context, like this very easily could have been someone being like, I am your son. Ha ha. Uh, (laughs) It is not, though. Uh, As it turns out, this kid is the younger brother of Takuji. Now, if you do not remember who Takuji is, I don't blame you. We don't do live man that often. (laughs) But Takuji was one of the two students at the Science Academy Island who had been killed by the traitorous evil students when they were defecting to the, like, evil space empire, the brain empire. Right. Not, not paranoia, the, the brain empire, the evil brain empire. Gosh, it's got a, <laughs> it's got a name. Uh, man, I forget how much I rely on having watched the show every week to remember yeah. the weird names of everything. I Everything is a brain beast, but I can't remember if there was a deeper name than that. I think there is. Anyway, uh, the brain army Volt, that's what it was called. Yeah, Volt, of course. So when when Kemp and the others uh, betrayed humanity to join the Brain Army Vault, uh, Takuji was one of the two students who was killed, and this kid is Yaguji's younger brother. Yeah, on the original episode, it felt like we were initially introduced to our five man ranger team, the three that we have, and then Takuji and Mari who I was certain were Rangers 4 and 5 until they got killed about 10 minutes into that first episode. Right, especially because there are five Rangers in Live Man, eventually. I know this to be true. I have seen pictures. Yes. I believe Rangers 4 and 5 are connected, possibly relatives of the two that died. I can't imagine this small boy is one of them, but who knows? It's happened before. It's happened before. It will happen again. But this small boy is not there to join their team. He is there um, because he has plans. Like, when I say, I I don't mean like he's got like plans for the weekend to like go out and like catch a movie with his friends. He has blueprints um, for a car that he and his older brother Takuji were going to have built together. They designed it together. It's like this amazing science car. Yeah, Uh, keep in mind. Make it look like a Sentai vehicle. Keep in mind that all of our rangers were attending a special science academy for super smart people. So presumably those genetics run in the family because they have laid out, as you say, essentially plans for a Sentai vehicle. This is a high schooler and his grade schooler little brother, and they have designed a science car from the ground up. It is extremely good. Um, but of course they were never able to do complete this car because Takuji was murdered cruelly yes. in they cold blood just by his friends. Designing the plans the last time Takuji was home from Science Island, and they were going to start work the next time he came home, but he never came home again. Right. So now that uh did you get the, the brother's name by any chance? Yeah, is Takashi or Takeshi, maybe. Takeshi, okay. Let's just go with that. 
So Takeshi has now found Yusuke and he's like, hey, um, you were like my fr- my brother's best friend. And I want, like, I want you and I to build this car together. It's sort of a fulfillment of his dream and a tribute to his memory. Like, please, yeah. please, will you help me with this? It's a pretty honest and earnest appeal. Yeah. And I, I sort of like it. It's it's a little out of nowhere, but I, I kind of like this premise. It worked for me. Oh, yeah, I, I really like it. Um, And it does a good, like, by the end of the episode, it will have done a very good job of explaining how our heroes get a new piece of equipment. In the beginning yeah. of the episode, I was a little concerned that this child was a monster and was, like, lying to yep. them to, like, steal their science secrets. Yep, me too. You know, who else was not into this is Megumi. No, but she didn't think he was evil. She was just like, hey, uh, we're the live men. We need to protect all of Earth. You do not have time for, like, a fun automotive hobby here, dude. And, and Yusuke knows really that wrong. she's right. That's the thing. Yusuke knows that she is right. He even says, like, oh, man, girls always know what is actually the right thing to do. And then it is a smash <laughs> cut to him, like, in over, like in coveralls, helping this anyway. Um, like, helping this kid do stuff anyway. Like, just because, and he's saying, like, man, but when I saw those plans, I needed to build it. That's the man's way. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's a very, it's a very kind of movie montage thing. And we're going to get little chunks of it several times through this episode when they're working on the car. But while they are doing that, so Takashi and Yasuki get to work on the car. And we cut to Dr. Kemp, who is one of the three betrayers we mentioned. One of the three old Science Island friends who gave it all up to join the Volt Army. And he is in a junkyard with... I'm not real sure what position Gardnoi Gash holds... Man, I I, got, I I feel like I say this every time we do a live, man. I've got a lot of questions about Guardio, Guardianoid Gash. I really <laughs> hope that I get to finish this series someday because i got to know what his deal is. But I like him a lot. I really do, too. And, and often we see him because he has a, a weapon which makes the monsters grow. You know that that part of every Sentai series where the monster gets bigger? In this case, that is accomplished by Gardnoid Gash. Yeah, Gardnoid Gash has an, 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 a weapon that shoots up like an energy tornado, and he shouts Giga Phantom, and then the monster grows. But he Giga also, Phantom is a great name. It's a good name for basically anything. He also has this thing that he does where apparently he has the ability to like bring things to like or like bring robot things to robot life at least. Yeah. Like he's not just yeah. like like animating alive things, but like they go into this junkyard and Kemp says to Gash like, "Okay, uh now it's time. We're going to make an engine monster because the engine is the heart of a car. So like bring this heart to life with your weird energy zaps." <laughs> Yeah, he has crafted some sort of twisted metal auto carnage style evil plan 
Yeah. And what 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 I think is really cool about this is he brings the engine to life, right? And it's like the brain engine or whatever the monster is called. Um, yeah, it is the brain beast engine Zuno. Brain beast engine Zuno. Of course. What else would he be called? <laughs> so the Brain Beast engine Zuno comes to life, and Kemp says, okay, you are like a living engine, so go find a car. Like, go find a car to jump in and possess. Yeah. He's like a weird engine demon that can just, like, possess any car, and I think that is extremely choice. It's amazing. This guy, and I know sentai is monster of the week so we had to kill him at the end but this guy could have been a really fascinating recurring character for a while yeah like there is um isn't there a spider-man villain who does something like this like he like any vehicle he gets into like becomes like a like a big dangerous cool vehicle yeah that feels very familiar and you are right a minute ago when you said he's basically just like a car ghost he could just possess vehicles yeah, and he's got and a sort of a cool look. His eyes are headlights. Yeah. Uh, one his of his hands is like, like an engine body. cooling fan. Exactly. Yeah, it's a great look. I actually really liked it. Um, so he comes to life and Kemp says, okay, like go find yourself a car. And of course, um, because we've only got 20 minutes to get through this thing, the car he immediately <laughs> goes to is uh, the car that Yusuke has been building uh, with um, Takuji's younger brother. Naturally, yeah. And, and he almost he almost doesn't do it because as he is approaching that car, he's like, oh yeah, there's that car. I'm going to hop right in. And he hears <laughs> Yusuke say, like, stand back, brain beast. I'll destroy you. Um, but as he gets closer, he realizes that like they've just been working through the night. So now both of them are just like sleeping in the garage and Yusuke is talking in his sleep. Not not even just in the garage. This thing is almost more of like a short bed truck than it is a car. And they're sort of sleeping in the bed of the truck. Oh, yeah. This is the thing that I want to talk about about this car. Is that when we saw the blueprints of it earlier, um, it looked like a Sentai-like vehicle that someone would make a toy of. The thing that yes. they are making right now is 100% like a used pickup truck. It, it is definitely just a, a, an inexpensive truck. <laughs> right. Like, this is something that the prop department was able to, like, pick up at the junkyard for pretty cheap and get back into slightly working order for the purposes of this episode. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good way to put it. So, so he hops in the engine, and the car just starts driving away with Yusuke and uh, the kid inside still. Yes. Right? Takashi. Takeshi. Takeshi. Thank you. And then we go from there, hard cut to Joe and Megumi, who are, Joe describes it as on patrol. What seems to be happening is that Meg is riding a bicycle and Joe is crouched down on a skateboard doing the saddest version of skitching you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, he's just holding onto the bicycle seat. And while he's doing it, he is complaining like, oh man, I can't believe that we're on patrol. And that Yosuke is just like chilling out building this car. And Megumi looks back at him and is like, <laughs> yeah, Yosuke isn't the only one who isn't pulling his weight. Like, come on, dude. Like, I'm literally <laughs> yeah. pulling your weight right now. Yep. 
and as they are having this little conversation, by the way, this is like broad daylight, so probably at least oh, yeah. 10 to 11.30 a.m., uh, and Yusuke was just asleep in a truck. Um, and we know that that wasn't very long ago, because Yusuke is just waking up now as the truck almost runs over Megumi and uh, Yo. Yeah, it is coming for them hard. They manage to jump out of the way, like, last second, and then the car swerves around and starts chasing Joe. And Joe turns around, and he sees that Yusuke is in the car. Yusuke is not driving it, though. He's just, like, has his head peeking out the top. And Joe yells at him. He's like, what, what's happening, dude? Are you trying to kill me? And I, there's a few times in this episode where I am reminded that these three characters are, like, old friends from school. Right. Because, like, the way that they interact with each other is very fun. Like, they give them each other a lot of crap. Yeah. So, like, when Joe says this to Yusuke, Yusuke says, no, if I wanted to kill you, you would already be dead. <laughs> like, this is not my fault. You just need to get out of the way. I actually think that's one of the biggest strengths of this program so far, is the interplay between the three leads really is phenomenal. Yeah, it really is. And a lot of that, I think, is more highlighted by the fact that we've been watching O-Ranger for a year, yeah. or what feels like two years. And, like, I like a lot about O-Ranger, but, like, the main characters of O-Ranger just have gotten no characterization, like, almost at all. Yeah, and so, pretty forgettable. Yeah, and so, like, watching this, and the, like, you know, it's only five episodes in, and it's been a couple of months since I've seen the last episode, <laughs> but I was like, oh, yeah, I love these guys. They're yeah. super fun. So the car throw the truck, throws Yasuki out of it. Mm-hmm. And... And then oh, it just drives off on its own. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it just kind of takes off and finds some greaser punks. Yeah, so it, it drives up to find these street toughs who are all hanging out. Are they on bicycles <laughs> or motorcycles? I think motorcycles, but I wouldn't commit to that. It might be dirt bikes, which is the perfect combination <laughs> of those two. Like, the truck rolls up, and they're like, hey, man, who do you think you're messing with, truck? <laughs> and so they yeah. go over, and they open the door, and they see that no one is inside. And instead of saying... Man, that's weird. This car drove up in a threatening manner, and there is no driver. They're like, right. their thought instead is, all right, free truck. <laughs> and they all get in. Yeah, like they just, said, this is a like, pickup truck. So most of them are just in the bed. Yeah, it's like six fairly large, like 1950s style leather jacket wearing greasers just pile into this low bed short, short truck. And the they, truck just kidnaps them all? Yeah. And at that point, what are they going to do? Hop out of a moving truck? <laughs> Does not come highly recommended. Yep. I mean, I've never fallen out of a moving truck, but I came close one time, and it was not a good feeling. <laughs> and while all of this is going on, the bad guys are watching, I believe, from the bridge of their space station. Mm-hmm just kind of nodding their approval and talking about what a great plan this is. Yeah, because at this point we go into what, in my notes, I'm referring to as a danger montage, I think, because the <laughs> yeah. truck is just, like, rolling all over town, crashing into stuff. Yeah, it is absolutely... This uh, engine demon is just out for a sadistic joyride. 
I mean, he is a joyriding engine monster. Yeah, it's great. It's a really fun little montage. So uh, we and when when we get back to the live men, they are like Megumi is just chewing out Yasuki as if she foresaw this eventuality. Right, and like. Really, what she had said was, we don't have time to be messing around with this. And she has sort of worked that into, this is all your fault. Like, I told you a monster would possess that truck if you built it. (laughs) She has very successfully pivoted on that argument. Well, for like one second, because Yusuke is about to pivot right back on her (laughs) in a way that is like even less reasonable and slightly more cruel. (laughs) But again, reminds me that these people have probably been friends since they were 12. Yeah. So she's yelling at Yusuke and saying like, I cannot believe you did this. And uh, Takeshi rolls up. He's like, no, 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 don't worry. This is not his fault. Um, Actually... And then he leads into what is kind of a sick burn from their dead friend. He says, my brother always said that Yusuke is a really reckless person, but always ends up doing great things at the end, which is us like like the (laughs) most backhanded. Like, yeah, you always figure it out at the end. You know, once you sort of work through your terrible impulses. Yeah. But he, he follows it up by saying... That Yusuke was the person that uh, Takuji trusted most in this world. Um, and um, and you can almost see it in Yusuke's face. He's like, okay, this feels good. I'm going to use this to hurt my friends. <laughs> <laughs> because he just turns back on Megumi and he's like, did you hear this? Like, words of power. <laughs> this pure soul of the youth. Like, these words of trust mean so much. And he just whips around and looks at Megumi like, how dare you, like, sully the trust of this young boy by saying that I could make a mistake. I did all the best stuff. Let's go solve this problem for our dead friend, you jerk. (laughs) Yeah, the argument does not make any sense, but he delivers it so charismatically that you somehow you're on his side. And again, I don't, like, if these were characters who had met four episodes ago, this would be, like, terrible workplace practice, right? You know, like, this is, like, a hostile work environment where, like, (laughs) your boss shouts at you for not trusting his terrible decisions. But since they have been friends for, like, years and are just constantly giving each other crap, it works a lot better. It actually plays pretty well. It does. And then, on the back end of that speech, Suki leading by example just hops on his motorcycle to go hunt down the car yeah by himself who doesn't even wait for the other (laughs) two well again he makes a lot of reckless decisions but in the end does something great uh this is what we know is true about yusuke um so he rolls off he has at some point transformed into his um what, what is he called live falcon Jet Red uh, Falcon Live? Red Falcon? I think it's just Red Falcon. Yeah, I think that's right. So he transforms into Red Falcon. He gets on his motorcycle, and he's chasing around this uh, truck. And, like, yep. man, it's, it's, it's not going super good. No. I mean, he finds the truck pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, the but pro- the simple math of truck versus motorcycle will tell you how this fight's going to turn out. Right. Truck is, only, twice as, truck is twice as good as motorcycle. It has twice as many wheels. That's how you know it's better. 
That's why the 18-wheeler is the mightiest vehicle on the road. Yep. But somehow he sort of, like, he flip jumps into the bed of the truck and then kind of crab arms around the window to shoot into the engine. Well, the, what, what he also does is once he gets into the driver's seat, he reaches down and grabs the lever to pop the hood. And then once the yeah. hood is popped, he just, like, shoots directly into the engine. Uh, uh, it's, not an, it's not an block? engine cabinet engine block? or an engine container. What's it called under that hood? I don't know. The engine. Listen, this is the part of the episode where I remind you that I am a librarian, not a mechanic. (laughs) I'm very sorry. There are some things that I just do not remember. I'm going to stick with chassis. I don't think that's right, but I'm sticking with it. It sounds like an appropriately mechanical term. (laughs) Anyway. he He just shoots the engine monster thing. Yeah, and it pops out like this, like actually very good move, Yosuke. Yeah. So it pops out. Yosuke hops out of the truck and Megumi and Yo join him very quickly. Yeah, like they were apparently like right behind. They roll up, but then uh, the brain beast Kemp is there and he's like, ah, screw you guys and teleports away. And so the live men are just sort of like stuck there, like, sitting on their motorcycles in a imposing fashion with no one to threaten. Yeah. And we will learn that the engine monster just possesses a new vehicle. Yeah. Which is great. I, I want him to just keep doing that. I think maybe it hops back into the same vehicle, actually. Because oh, you might be right. You might be right. So the we see the, like that vehicle tearing around. And I, I think it actually is the same one. I don't know... Why? Like at one point he doubled back around to sneak back into it. There was a shot of some weird armored vehicle mixed into that montage that I thought was the engine monster hopping between vehicles, but I don't know that that's true. It may have been, but by the time that our heroes catch up with him again, he's back in the truck. Yeah. So the live men go back to their, um, what's it called? Machine Buffalo Turtle Base. Yeah, the the machine buffalo is the like the all terrain vehicle that carries yellow lion, blue dolphin, and red falcon in it. Oh, the, that's right. The turtle base, and I feel like there's another word we're missing there, but it is their like secret wa- water hideout. Yeah, so they go back there, which is where all their laboratories are, and uh. Yusuke pulls out the plans that he had been using to build um, uh, Takuji's truck. It's like, listen. It's it's Grand Tortoise. I just remembered. Grand Tortoise. Thank you. He pulls out the plans. He's like, listen, uh, we made most of a very good truck, and that truck is very dangerous. So now we need to make a double good truck. And he pulls out (laughs) more plans. And he's like, and this is what it's going to look like. And this thing is the thing that you can buy in toy stores. We yeah. know this because they finished making it, and it says Live Man on it as though someone had a, put a giant sticker on the cannon, so you know they sold this as a toy. I imagine that was just the robot, Colin, Colin. Her job, she just, I'm sure she did a lot of the design, but I figure she did some finishing too, right? She's got some stencils around or something. Yeah. And everyone is very proud of Yusuke, and he's like, yeah, man, of course I did a good job on this. I'm very smart. I built Jet, Jet Falcon. Please don't forget that. I am the leader here. <laughs> yeah. 
And they also name this thing, which is another indicator that you will be able to buy it in the toy stores. Yeah, I don't know if we get the name right here, but the name of this thing, do you want to say it, Mark? I don't remember it, so you better say it. Oh, it's called Live Cougar. That's right, that's right, Live Cougar. Uh, Which I think was a show with Courtney Cox. (laughs) Um, I actually heard that Cougar Town was a lot better than its name would have implied. Uh, I'm not surprised. A lot of the people who work on that show are the creator and kind of cast and crew that also did Scrubs, which is a great show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so we we cut to (laughs) the the most logical confrontation uh, between the two trucks which is that Kemp, who has been riding around in the, the flatbed of this pickup truck, yeah, he is standing, uh... standing in the flatbed and holding onto the back of the cab as though this truck were a chariot and he was Ben-Hur. <laughs> he is absolutely uh, ghost-riding that whip. Yeah. Um, they get to, like, a tunnel that looks like it drives into the Adam West Batcave, and Kemp is <laughs> like, all right, drive into this tunnel. <laughs> and they drive down into the tunnel for a while and then meet and like run into the live cougar with the live men who are just back there waiting for him. He's like, oh, they were yeah. Hiding in there. Just hiding in a random tunnel outside of town. <laughs> Here's my only argument they were friends with Kemp way back when he was like Kenji Sukigata or whatever his name was. So at some point. Kemp was maybe not as good of friends as the core three, but they were pals. So maybe they just know him so well that they're aware of his love of tunnels. Yeah. I mean, hey, that I, that works for me. Um, Where else are you going to have a double truck showdown, though? <laughs> there are no other options, clearly. <laughs> so they roll in and... Uh, Yusuke is like, hey, you've got that truck, but this truck right here, this truck is a better truck. And then he says this line. He says, do you dare to challenge the car built on youth memories and friendship? (laughs) (laughs) And then they have a truck fight. A (laughs) good old fashioned truck fight. It was built on youth memories and friendship because we got a full on montage of like, Friends laughing while waxing the car and screwing things in. Extremely good. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's just a car fight. It's got a re- I'm a sucker for a car chase. It's got a really delightful car chase. Yeah, they, they chase around for a while. Um, a bunch of putties attack and they get run over by Live Cougar. Yep. At some point, they're just on the side of a mountain. They're just driving up the side of a mountain. Uh, the cougar has a the, the live cougar has a cannon in it called the Cougar Vulcan. <laughs> yeah. So they just real just real word soup with the uh, yeah. with the names of this show. So they knock down the engine beast. Uh, they hit him with the the Cougar Vulcan. They hit him. They pull pull out their guns and they do the triple live blaster. They also summon the bazooka to do the bio motion buster. I think it's called. Yeah. And yep. then we are treated to maybe the greatest thing in life, man, the Giga Phantom. Courtesy, yeah. Guardianoid Gosh. Guardianoid Gosh, who's always just always lurking around at the ready. Yeah. And I, I know, I think we've said it in every episode of this, but he really is a sort of like prototype gray from Jetman 
uh, yeah. in a lot of ways, and I love him very dearly. So he makes the monster grow, and the live man crew calls out their vehicles, which I think we mentioned earlier are the Jet Falcon, the Aqua Dolphin, and the Land Lion. And they just form a live robo. Yeah. And they fight for like a minute. And then, you know, live robo calls his giant sword. It does the super live crash. uh, And that's it. Like, goodbye, Engine Beast. We barely knew ye. I liked you a lot. Yeah. It's a very very short final battle. As they often are, especially in the early days. Right. Well, they had to spend a lot of time doing cool stuff in this episode. They didn't have time to like like drag this out yeah yeah they didn't they didn't need any of that fight scene filler uh and that's basically it they meet back up with takeshi and they're like hey uh now we have this new truck that was like half made by your brother and half made by us uh your brother was a great man and then one of them says like just like our yusuke and yusuke's like yeah just like me and (laughs) and you can tell that the other two were just like oh god bless this perfect idiot like like we love him so much and he's such a dunce they're good friends they know what he needs he's a very good boy who does very good things he just he needs someone to pump up his ego sometimes it's his food it's his good boy food and they're good friends (laughs) so they give it to him uh, and that's it. That is the end of this episode. Um, we're not going to put uh, the Brain Beast engine something on the list because <laughs> that would be weird. Um, but I did like him a lot. Mark, do you have any final thoughts on this episode? I know we've just, talked about it for a lot already. Just one note at the very end. So they're all sitting on a wall with the little brother, with Takeshi. They all hop off the wall to leave. They get in the vehicle and start driving away. And after they've all climbed into the vehicle, Takeshi's like, I, I guess it's cool if you guys keep that thing then. <laughs> well, that's the different one. They already blew up the one that they were building that was just based on his brother's plans. That's, and this one said live man right on the sides. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they'll give him rides in it sometimes, maybe. No, it's, no, it's just a really fun episode, and that has been consistent for all of Live Man so far. It's a very good show. Yeah, and I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this was sort of like the first like true Monster of the Week one that we've gotten of these. Yeah. So it's, it is interesting to see how, it's always interesting to see how a Sentai show like makes the pivot from like the super story-heavy couple of episodes into right. those sort of like, those plateaus where it's just sort of like, you know, just the characters interacting and fighting monsters. And it works really well with Live Man. Live Man is a good show, and I wish I could watch more of it. Yeah, I will never every... have time to do it other than <laughs> this exact instance. Every time we do this, I think, boy, I wish we could just do a second season of this show and, like, throw it up on a Patreon or as an alternate feed. We don't have time to do that, but I wish we could. Yeah. But un- until next time, uh, that... I don't know, maybe when when, <laughs> when it's time for the, the fall play, or the spring play, rather, and Dave, again, does not have yeah, time. Whenever um, the musical rolls around. Yeah. Um, we will see you next time. Um, but in the meantime, that is going to do it for this episode of the Super Sentai Buddies. Uh, if you like this show, please uh, give it five stars on iTunes. That'd be a fun, cool thing for you to do. Yeah. I'm sort of freestyling the ending here, because it's a slightly different episode. Uh, we're on... Twitter at Super Sentai Bros. 
Uh, the Gmail account is SuperSentaiBrothers at gmail.com. Mark, uh, how can people get a hold of you and listen to your other work online? Sure. So as you usually say at the end of this show, Super Sentai Brothers is produced by Retrograde Orbit Radio. You can just find us on Twitter, R-O Radio, or the website, RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. And it's got all the cool stuff we do up there. Right on. So um, that's going to do it. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the Super Sentai Buddies. Um, I'm Matt. I'm Mark. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on earth. <laughs>